Hello and welcome to another episode of Fountain City Sports Media, a podcast made by Kansas City fans for Kansas City fans. My name's Armando, a.k.a. Hot Take Mondo, and I'm joined by my friend Reese, a.k.a. the Reese Incarnate Bach Lesnar. Today we're going to talk about the unfortunate Chiefs-Bills game where the Bills won barely, um, or should I say the refs won barely, but uh, we'll get to that soon. Uh, hopefully not too soon because I'd rather talk about like fun stuff Reese instead of just this like groundhog day you know every every week we talk about the same thing what's up Reese how's it going dude do you want to talk about fun stuff to start this podcast let's talk about fun dude I've got just the thing so what if I told you well first off do you have Spotify of course I think we talked about our Spotify wrapped a few weeks ago correct yep I love Did my you? chemical romance. You like some random Japanese guitarist. Heck yeah. So you know what Spotify loves is Fountain City Sports Media because we have a Fountain City Sports Media specific wrapped to go through today. Whoa. Wait, have you seen it? Are we about to embarrass ourselves on on uh, public radio? Of course not. These can only be good numbers. They wouldn't they wouldn't want to show you bad numbers. They wouldn't want you to leave their platform. <laughs> So you, the, you, you are the first podcast in Spotify history to have negative minutes. <laughs> you have the most FBI agents watching you. That's in the top 3% of podcasts. All right. So should right, we, should we dive into it. it? Yeah, dude, go for it. I'm, I'm excited. In 2023, people were really, really feeling what you do. Yeah. Oh, take my not- money, Spotify. Take all our Patreon. Ready? Let's really take know it. Really how to butter me up. <laughs> Let's take it from the top. All right. Okay. Speaking of top, your top episode was... Guess what our top episode was? Ooh, it's going to be a playoff game. Um, Let's see. It's not going to be like the Super Bowl. How about, how about the Bengals? How about Bengals Chiefs AFC Championship? How about interview with Salvatore Sesti of Sunflower no State hey. FC? That's great. Sunflower Dude. State. Hey, thank you fans of Sunflower State FC for checking out the podcast. Sesti is a draw confirmed. Dude, that's tight. That's awesome. All right, we got to have him back on. Shout out to Sesti out there doing some great things. That episode was streamed 145% more than your average episode. <laughs> I don't want to know what our average episode is then. They brought him in, baby. They oh, brought him in. Funny. That's great, man. Crap, we gotta we gotta have him back on. All right. So let's hear it for the new fans. Fifty-four percent of your listeners discovered you in 2023. That no means that's fifty-four percent more growth right there. How do you like that? that? That's great, actually. Wow. I wonder mm-hmm. if those those can't be skewed because I've been listening to Spotify. For years and so has our loyal listeners they've been they don't like change platforms no dude wow. we're, we're we're doubling down into the spotify dude to the moon we got, we got new listeners that's wonderful thanks spotify take our money seriously interview with salvatore sesti of sunflower state fc really brought him in 23 percent of your new listeners started listening right there wow so that's pretty good continued listeners from that episode oh crap we Reese, we might have to like, especially after the Chiefs just like not doing well, we might just have to pivot and talk about uh, Sunflower State FC and just be the official podcast for them. Dude, I would love to be the unofficial official podcast of Sunflower State FC. It's like our colors already kind of match, right? We have like the same kind of cornflower yellow thing. 
very similar yellow. What if Patrick Mahomes was like about to do an interview with us? He's like, oh man, they changed the Sunflower State FC. Oh, well, I guess I'll have to go to no other pod. You know what? I would actually kill to Manning cast a Sunflower State FC game. Oh, dude, we could <laughs> technically we can do that, right? Because they they live stream. They do. I'd have to see what their broadcast rights are or like, you know, if, if anyone would like really stop us from just being two random guys with a, you know, equipment live streaming. That so. would, that'd be a fun thing because yeah. they they play in the offseason or at least NFL offseason. So we'll have some free time. We'll have to check it out. All right. Next up. United States was your top country. All right. Makes sense. Lost some of that <laughs> India contingency we had a few years Man, ago. Man, some Frankfurt. Your listeners have good taste, obviously. So what else are they into? Your listeners got pod. (laughs) 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 The mighty, mighty boss tones streamed you 20% more than they did in 2022. Um, Your listeners top podcast genres were sports. Yep. Comedy. Yep. Religion and spirituality. Wow. Okay. Okay. I dig that. Good for them. All right. I mean, some people would say FCSM is a bit of a religion. That's Uh, true. Your listeners' top music genres were, take a guess, top three. Uh, music music specific. Yeah. I feel like like it's gonna be something stupid. Like like eighties rock is gonna be one of them. Um, I mean, one of them has to be emo. If I'm if I'm one of the listeners. So one um, is rock. It's just general rock. Oh, okay, That's number just three. general rock. Okay. So two rock and one. is, ooh. Classical sounds too cliche. It's not classical. Okay. So then how about um, heavy metal? It is actually number one pop, number two rap, number three rock. Oh, interesting. We got some basic fans. I was going to say, that's about as basic as it gets right there. It's like an <laughs> iTunes playlist. Um, okay, next up, your listeners definitely told you, told their friends about you. Thank you. Your podcast was shared all over. 53% direct link, 47% text. Sweet. Okay. We, like don't even, are... we don't even text our stuff either. No, that's because... These are our... random people. This is great. In fact, your most shared episode was Interview with Salvatore Sesti of Sunflower State FC. Wow. Okay. Dude. Well, we, we, can't, we can't hide from the metrics. Salvatore mm-hmm. Sesti, congratulations. You are now the third podcast member of Fountain City Sports Media. Dude, I love it. Oh, sick. Your podcast rating was? Five stars. 5.0, baby. Ooh. Perfect score. Can you feel the love? I can feel it. I love it. And you guys. we even incentivized people to put like a zero rating. <laughs> and they still didn't. This year, your listeners did something, something. They did more than talking. You published they six polls. They protested. They did. You created 38 Q&As. Love it. Pop quiz. It's You created 38 question and answers? I wonder if it counts like the answers themselves, I did not, maybe. Oh, okay. I was like, I didn't answer... Those. Okay, here you go. Which episode got the most engagement of these three? Week three, KC Chiefs against the Bears. Week two versus the Jaguars, or week four versus the Jets. Which do you think got the most engagement? Jags. I would guess Jets, but I'm going to click Jags. It was the Bears episode. Go the figure. Bears episode probably because we're so happy. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. All right. So next up. Are you a gardener? <laughs> uh, you I'm just want a free plant. I'll tell you what, I'm sauce gardener getting locked down over here. Because you saw some nice growth this year. Oh, baby. We had 14% growth overall in listenership. Okay. A 19% increase in streams. And a 17% increase in followers. Ooh, we love that. Dude, those are good numbers. That's what I like to see. Thank you hey, guys for the growth. Better than better than plateau or better than unfollow. That's for sure. Exactly. We appreciate that. All right. So can't forget to give a shout out to your biggest fans. You're a top 10 podcast for 19 fans. That's wow. That's pretty good. That's pretty Great. good. You're a top five podcast for 13 fans. Ooh, that's not a big drop off. Drum roll, please. You're the number one podcast for three fans. That's sick. I bet I, I, bet, I bet I can name them. Yeah, probably. Your top Kanye, fans listen. Drake, Shaq. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It checks out. There's your pop, pop punk rap or whatever we were. Uh, your top fans listen to you 2.6 times more than your average listeners. Wow. FCSM, never be average. 66% joined you for the first time this year. That's good. Wait, doesn't that... That conflicts with the other percentage, right? You know what? It does, <laughs> hey, what? but... Hey, it's fuzzy math, man. I'm we're not going to use numbers. that one. Yeah, when, when we take it to public stock, we can use that statistic. Exactly. Found City Sports Media, thank you for sharing your podcast with the world. It's thank great. you, world, for sharing Found City Sports Media with us. So I think with all these metrics, I think this might be our best year then, Reese, because we just we keep growing. And with over half of our listeners joining us for the first time this year, that means we're doing something right. I'd agree. I think it's a it's a good sign. You know what? Uh, we'll make this the question on this this week's poll on Spotify. We want to hear what you want to hear more of going into 2024. Like, be it episode themes, topics, interview guests, that kind of thing. We just want to hear from you. Uh, anyone anyone who says Hunter Renfro will be tracked down by one of our FBI agents we have listening to us. Is that what you're going to say? <laughs> you, you, you read my mind. That's how you knew I was laughing. Dude, would you take Hunter Renfro on the Chiefs right now? Absolutely. I was not even a question. <laughs> he's I love been pretty Hunter Renfro. Mid- he's been pretty mid this year, though. Yeah, because he has Aiden O'Connell. That's true, and I do suppose Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers have been eaten, too. That's true, yeah. You can't be the third in a system that old old Mick O'Connell had a farm. Dude, oh, that's pretty good. I love that. Uh, I mean, look, Raiders, you're up 49-7 right now. You can spare us a Hunter Renfro. What, what is happening over there, Reese? Yeah, so for those of you that aren't following along, we're podcasting on a Thursday, and the Raiders, uh, going into halftime, we're, we're winning 42-0 to against the Chargers. Um, it's just Staley's done tonight, right? This is it. Oh, for sure. He's out. Yeah, this has yeah. to be it. Mm-hmm. And he has I mean, to know it. Yeah, it's it's a bummer for him. Uh, I think he's a terrible coach, but I was hoping he would stay a little bit longer because I love seeing that team just being terrible. <laughs> and as we saw with Sean Payton on the Broncos this year, like the right coach can help even the most mediocre team like keep falling up the stairs to victories. <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> I don't know. I think I think there's more going on than than the coach. I think. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of injuries. Oh yeah, um, Justin Herbert doesn't look right. And wait, don't they have uh, who's who's their offensive coordinator? The guy from the um, oh Lombardi. Thing? 
Uh, I thought, no, didn't Dan Quinn or something? No, I, I think oh, it whoops. didn't. Sorry. Didn't they get Lombardi from a... Or did they fire the Lombardi? Cowboys. They got a cowboy guy. Oh, oh, you thinking uh, Kellen Moore? Oh, Kellen Moore. Yep, that's what I mean. Oh, that's right. They do have Kellen Moore. And like huh. Kellen Moore is not awful, so... No, he's he's fine. Kellen Moore would be a bomb offensive coordinator for Andy Reid. I tell you what. Oh yeah, because like his entire like Boise State gimmicky play, weird formation, misdirection, all that sort of thing. Ground and pound, dude. Ground and pound, man. I mean, Bronco if, up. If Joshua Kelly looks as good as Isaiah Pacheco in a Chargers offense, you know that he'd thrive in a Chiefs offense, dude. Isaiah Pacheco Kelly, that'd be so cool. Well, Reese, we've said so many positive things about this podcast. I'm sure this has inspired people to want to donate on Patreon. How can they donate on Patreon and help this podcast even more boost their numbers for 2024? If you're one of our awesome listeners and you would like to donate to this podcast so we have the funds necessary in 2024 to take this to the next level, then you should check us out at patreon.com backslash FCSM. Where for just over the price of one cup of Starbucks coffee a month, thank you inflation, you can get access to exclusive content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive miniseries including Season Zero, The COVID Year, including the Michael Jordan Last Dance documentary, Speedy and Angry, our 10-part in-depth deep dive into the Fast and Furious franchise, and more to come because Alex and I are starting to work on some new projects. So, yeah, be ready for that. So check us out there. Patreon.com backslash FCSM. Do you like John Wick? I like John Wick. Yeah, dude. Dude, did you know that he, um, Keanu Reeves does all his own stunts? I think I did hear that, which also does not surprise me because he's Keanu Reeves. And he's like actually like uh, not a gold medalist, but he is like an international champion marksman. Like he does competitions really? and he does very well at the competitions. Dude, I bet he's. Do you think he kills all those people too? Just like make it more realistic. <laughs> hey, um, did I get a lawyer with this contract or do I got to <laughs> hire my own? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So cool. John Wick. Right. Do, do, yeah, do a John Wick miniseries. That'd be fun. I'll, dude, I would tell, I love John Wick. It's my it's my guilty pleasure. All right. Well, stay tuned for our John Wick miniseries. It's going to be a blast. Let's see. All right. Speaking of uh, not a blast, how about we talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills? Man, Reese, it happens again. Over and over again. We're like this close against some of these, these you know, teams that are our biggest rivals, right? Philadelphia Eagles, the Buffalo Bills, and it and it's all us. It is all our fault. Well, mostly our fault. Reese, not only was it our fault that we lost this game, 20 to 17, the Buffalo Bills win, to then go to seven and six, and we drop to eight and five. Um But Reese, it wasn't just us that made us lose this game. There's more to this story. And Reese, you you used to be called referee, and we're gonna bring that name back. Reese is putting on his zebra shirt with his short black shorts and his high black socks and his New Balance shoes. Take it away, referees, as to why we lost this narrow game. Buffalo Bills 20, Kansas City Chiefs 17. Well, first of all, I didn't do do refs wear shorts. I thought they wore like the dad Adidas tearaway knee track pants now. I think they do, but I just imagine you in these like shorts for like sport for soccer. 
Yeah, that, that's a good point. Like, w- yeah, I'd, pro- I'd probably wear like those 80s or yeah, those 80s like Rocky shorts that go down to like the high quad. <laughs> they have like the little V cut out on the side yeah. with a little white stripe lace that goes on them. Oh, yeah, dude, that'd be totally you have just like weird. a big belt. That's like abnormally big for no reason. And there shouldn't be a belt on the on those shorts. You know, I'm gonna tell you a story. So I was at the gym last week and I was doing a very basic just like exercise. And push, as I push pull legs, but basically, yeah, well, it was leg day. So everybody on here should know by now that I tore my ACL meniscus about 10, 15 years ago back in college. You know, it's a bit of a trick knee now does weird things. But I was just doing a basic leg exercise. And all of a sudden I pulled up my last rep and just my knee hurt. And I'm like, dude, am I cramping in the calf? Like, what the heck's going on here? But my knee was just like, I could walk on it, but it was gimpy. You know, it was gimpy. And welcome I say, to your 30s, dog. Dude, welcome to your 30s. But I say that as a precursor of, I am dead serious here. If my knee wasn't in such bad shape, I would 100% sign up to be an NFL official and train to do it because I know for a fact I can do a better job than the hacks they have out on these fields. These part-time, $600,000 a year clearing mega lawyers and executives, moonlighting as professional football referees for the span of three hours on a Sunday afternoon. You know, if no one's called us the Armchair Quarterback Podcast, it, it officially is. Let's go, Reese. I know for a definitive fact I can do a better job because if there's anything on this show that I am, it's consistent. And if the refs are anything in the NFL right now, it's a lack of consistency. You know what? Let's play the Montucky Cold Snack take back theme right now. When, When did you ever praise the refs? I said that Carl Sheffers did an okay job in the Super Bowl Mostly because he kept it in his pants and I think threw like three or four flags the entire night. Well, guess what? He was back to his old chefinizing ways. And dude... <laughs> wait, wait. Are you are, are you sure the, the proper usage of that term is he kept it in his pants? I am sure. He kept it in his tight little 70s Rocky Balboa short shorts with the V-slit and the white lace. Dude, if we would have done the scene in the end of Rocky 3 where he jumps on the beach and catches Apollo midair, I would have picked him up and put him down for a spine buster like Dave Batista right in the sand. I tell you what. Is that enough? Do we need more examples? We will add, I don't know why Carl Sheffers wasn't already on your fight list. But um, we, I don't know how he's not, but let's add him to the list. So we got LeBron, we have Carl Sheffers, and we also have Giannis. Oh, Giannis is on Giannis is on the list now, but he's he's a little mad after that Draymond? whole game ball thing. Oh, dude, yeah, I, I don't need to be. Well, no, we can't put Draymond on the list. He's suspended. No, you know what? I, I will fight Carl Sheffers. I'll even give him a handicap. I'll do like, I don't know. Uh, I'll wear an eye patch so my depth perception's off, and I'll give him one hand tied behind my back. You know, but my, my blows will still be more consistent. Uh, well, should we oh should we talk? Goodness. Should we talk about the officiating in general now that I've gotten my my Patreon fight stretch goal out of here? I mean, we should just talk about the specific play at the very end where. Um, so for those of you that didn't watch the game, probably good that you didn't watch uh, at least the last 
play or last few plays of the game where Patrick Mahomes tosses it to Kadarius Tony. Oh, sorry, he tosses it to Travis Kelsey, who then tosses it to Kadarius Tony for a touchdown. One of would have been one of the greatest plays in Chiefs regular season history until until Reese, we see the flag and we saw that it was offsides for Kadarius Tony pre-snap. Um, although there is controversy, and now we have footage, Reese, of Kadarius Tony looking at the ref to see the the line ref specifically to see whether he is offsides or onsides. Um, and some people are saying that, well, he didn't look long enough, but there's also reports coming out there that the ref was not looking, so Kadarius looked his way, the ref was not paying attention, so Kadarius goes, okay, whatever, and then looks back. Another thing, Reese, that I'll talk about before you go on your soliloquy with I'm really looking forward to is the issue is not if he was offsides or onsides. The issue is that, and Andy Reid alluded to this as well, is that he has, and Patrick Mahomes, has never seen something like this without a warning 100%. ever in his career. Andy Reid's been in the game for decades and has not seen something like that where they get a warning. There's always a warning beforehand. Um, so again, what Reese said, at least be consistent. And if this is the first time in NFL history that you do that to, to negate the best play in chiefs, regular season history, something's wrong there. Reese, go ahead. Well, so this is why we need to unpack this. And this is going to be, I mean, this is going to be a big unpacking because I don't know how the rest of the country's paid attention I'm, to it. I'm back home. I'm sitting here. I'm all ears. So when this happened. This is night of. So this is, what was it, Sunday night, whenever this game was? Sunday afternoon? Right. Yes, Patrick and Andy both took the podium and said what garbage it was that they didn't receive a warning on this. Right? That was a big right. thing. So right. at that time, all the national media and all the national fans were like, oh, he was off sides, man. Like, what's the big deal? Quit whining. All these NFL fans like, ha ha, cry, Chiefs fans. <laughs> Later that, yeah, that evening. That, that sounds like our text chain. Later that evening, in the post, like, what are they? It's like the NFL referee pool exit interview they right. have during games. Right. Carl Sheffer said, Doubles well, down. We didn't, we didn't give him a warning because when it's so egregious, you don't give him a warning. So here's the thing on that. Again, I've been watching football about 25, 30 years of my life. The unofficial rule about looking over at the line judge and having them give you a warning I mean, everybody knows that rule. Right. This is the first time in my life I have ever heard this magical addendum yes but clause of, well, if it's if it's so bad, we're not going to tell you. So here's the thing. If you're onside, we're not going to tell you you're offside. If you're offside, we'll tell you you're offside. But if you're really offside, we also won't tell you you're offside, just like if you're fine. Make it make sense. So that was Sunday night, right? That was Sunday night. Right, right. As the week goes on, we get that video that shows, yes, Kadarius Tony went up to the line, looked at the official, and then looked back at the line. And like you said, people are saying, well, he wasn't set. You know, well, it was too short. Here's the thing. When he looked over and then got set, it's not like he moved another foot forward yeah, after and it that. It was the same position, right? It was the same position. So later on, I think it's probably Wednesday... I never thought I'd say this. 
But the Chiefs hero, the bastion of common sense that has recently been Dan Orlovsky, Chiefs legend Dan Orlovsky. Do we have to put in the cold snack take back music here too because you hate Dan. I, I hate Dan. Dan was on your fight. He was on your fight list. <laughs> he's off my fight list now. He's my Apollo, dude. He's he's come to my side now. So here's the thing. I can't, it was like NFL tonight or something. And all of a sudden it's like it's like he was just whatever he, he was he came out like he was given the Watergate tape. Sorry, that, he was that was so like, excited. That was like a 1990s reference to like MLB tonight that's no longer exist. <laughs> Tim Kirkshin was there. <laughs> so or, anyway, or last he's on this Sorry. panel and you could tell he's excited. He's like, "Guys, I went through and watched the game again." He's like, "I've got six instances that that Kadarius Tony's lined up in that exact same spot throughout the game." Wow. You know, and they didn't call off sides on him. Wow. So let's look at it this way here. If Carl Sheffer said he didn't issue him a warning, Kadarius Tony's been lining up in the same spot all game. He's Six been checking times. he's been checking in all game. And it was never a problem all game until the last two minutes. Yes, they threw the flag before that lateral happened, so it's not like they were calling back a cool play out of spite. But they kept that in their back pocket. I guarantee you with Carl Sheffers, go back and listen to the episode where we read the laundry list of instances of Chiefs and Carl Sheffers. He had that in his back pocket saying, I'm going to throw this late in the game. It might not bring back a touchdown. I don't think he thought it would bring back a touchdown. He's like, I'm going to throw this late in the game just to screw with them. That's a cold, hard, Montucky cold fact about Carl Sheffers. So... Let's keep unpacking this some more, Armando. Are you still with me? Oh, absolutely. So Dan Orlovsky has released the Zapruder film of Kadarius Tony lined up that way six different times. Wow. Now, now on Sunday night, one of the head league officials, I can't remember his name, but he was on the Scott Van Pelt show, comes out and says, well, we've made it a point of emphasis here to call off sides, and it was a great call. And he again repeats that, mysterious clause I've never heard of in my life or anyone for that fact of if it's egregious we're not going to let him know okay he then says this crazy thing about how they've made offensive offsides a point of emphasis here so they've called it I think he said the last three years they've called it three times each in the last three years and this year they've already called it 11 or 12 times he said This then gets debunked a day later by somebody who says the point of emphasis they showed in calling offensive offsides has to do specifically with the tush push because we've talked about how that's such kind of like an ambiguous formation that just kind of like slops and formates wherever it wants and all that stuff. So of those 11 offensive offsides, eight have been tush push offsides. So no, they are not calling this at a higher clip. Yeah, They're calling it on that specific play. Okay? So let's take a step forward now to yesterday, which I think as of this recording should be like Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, December 13th. Kadarius Toney has now come out and informed people that the NFL contacted him yesterday to inform him that they warned him about lining up offsides. Now, do you, do you see we're running into a little bit of a problem here? Yeah. The fact that the NFL has now gaslit Kadarius Tony to say, we warned you when Kadarius Tony said they didn't warn him. 
Patrick Mahomes said they didn't warn him. Andy Reid said right. they didn't warn him. Carl Sheffers, the official, said we didn't warn him. And now the NFL is saying you were warned. We warned you. Now, here's the problem with all of this. I know a lot of people are going to be saying, cry, Chiefs fans, cry, get over it. Okay? We have an opportunity right now to catch the NFL and to force some sort of change because we've caught them in a lie at this point. However, this opportunity is going to completely pass us by because everyone else in this league is too anxious to get their pound of flesh and is enjoying watching the Chiefs be mad about this. It sucks, but it's the truth. This is some 1984 crap, dude. With the league is just saying like, we're going to do whatever we want and we're just going to gaslight you the whole time and it doesn't matter because we're in control. This is what dictators do. This is bad. <laughs> Yeah, Reese Reese is invoking some fake news media type of type of jargon right now. This is getting real. But do you understand why this is an issue? Of course. Because now it can be done to any team. And all these teams saying cry, Chiefs cry, it's gonna happen to you. I'm 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 looking at you, Minnesota Vikings. I'm looking at you, well, Green Bay Packers. And I honestly I say this sincerely. I feel bad for the Jaguars fan that is going to have some magical hands to the face penalty that didn't happen called on them late in the fourth quarter this year in the AFC title game, keeping them from attending their first Super Bowl. I feel bad for the Buffalo Bills and Minnesota Vikings fans that are minutes away from clinching their first Lombardi, which won't happen because of a terribly blown call which the NFL at this point has the opportunity to revamp their officiating system and make it better, but they won't. This is a serious problem. This happened to us in 2019 in the Tom Brady, what they call it, the fluffing the passer, where Chris Jones mm -hmm. hits Tom Brady on the shoulder pad. It was that bad, but they called roughing the passer? Yep. Guys, I mean, I, I know... It's in the past. I know Kadarius Tony was offsides. Don't get me wrong. He yeah, was offsides. We're not arguing that, right? But calling things consistently and having some standard of consistency is key. It's vital. It's imperative going forward in the NFL, particularly when the league has never been more in bed or in the pockets with big sports gambling. Wow. And Reese did not drop the mic, but... That was essentially a mic drop. That was that was that was a that was an eloquent with evidence supported argument that you just made, Reese, and an important argument, not only for the NFL, but I'll go back to Chiefs specific, Reese. Right now we're eight and five. The Baltimore Ravens are ten and three. The Miami Dolphins are nine and four, and we're tied eight and five with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cleveland Browns. Imagine if we're nine and four right now you know and how how great that would be and even with all this happening we still have a chance for the first seed which we can talk about a little later but again just for like pure chiefs implications we could have beaten this buffalo bills team that didn't deserve to win and we we didn't necessarily deserve to win either but the fact that we could have won this game with one of the worst offensive showings 
that the Kansas City Chiefs have ever had against, uh, you know, I'm not going to say Super Bowl contending Buffalo Bills, but a legitimate Buffalo Bills team um, could have been a really great motivator for this Kansas City Chiefs. So, Reese, not only the implications, like you say, are on a national level, but for this depleted, for this emotionless, for this beaten down Kansas City Chiefs team, for us to win on that particular play would have spoke bounds and and could have been the spark for this Kansas City Chiefs team. Instead, we're eight and five. It we're we're not gonna get the first seed. That's very slim. We could get it, but we're looking at eight and five and one of the worst offensive showings in the Patrick Mahomes era. You know, it, it was really bad, and it's funny because you mentioned earlier on, like this, you know, against our biggest rivals. I think I can safely say I'd be curious on your opinion though, but this game had like no emotion or animosity and it didn't feel low stakes. It felt like just any other AFC game, to be honest. I think part of that has to do with the fact that the Bills were six and six and are still at good risk of missing the playoffs. And the fact that we at the time were eight and four, and this isn't like your average Chiefs team with Patrick Mahomes. And you know, this this wasn't a high stakes game where the two teams were jockeying for position in the AFC. I mean, I know the Bills tried to instigate some scuffles because they're like, oh my gosh, we have to get in what we can now because we have to go back and eat beef and weck and buffalo. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I only think that we're the rivals of the Chiefs or with the Bills just because we have history with them. Like, are we rivals with the Ravens? Not really because we don't have that much history with them. The Dolphins, no, because they're new. I mean, maybe after the Frankfurt game, there's something that has sparked. Um, but if I think of like teams that are really our rivals at this point, that could, you know, are the Bengals, the Bills, and now possibly the Broncos? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't see the Broncos lasting here. Like I said, they keep falling up the stairs to victories this year, and they're playing. It's, it's a fourth place schedule, right? And yeah, they're they, in a they're in a six seven way tie for fourth place. Yeah, if if they were if they were in like playing a second place schedule this year, they're probably below five hundred. My guess they're probably like five and eight right now. Anyway, not I I say this just I don't know. It's it's frustrating. There's a lot of things wrong with this team that I'm sure we can talk about. I mean, do, do you want to just like save talking about what's wrong with the team for after the beer review? Yeah, we're already 34 minutes in. So yeah, we can just we can just have a bad podcast today. We can just be negative, have a Dude. good beer hopefully and uh and then yeah, we'll we'll get to the, you know, the running joke for f- how many weeks we've been doing this since week 1. We've been talking about the same crap over and over, and we're going to keep talking about it because nothing has been done. So Reese, you're right. Let's go grab a beer. Let's cry a little bit into the beer and then we're going to talk about you guessed it. The Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers. Stay tuned. It's everyone's favorite time of the podcast. It's This Week in Craft Beer, the segment of the show where we review a delicious craft beer for your listening pleasure. But before we do, I'm just keeping us up here on Raiders Chargers Watch. It's currently 63-14 with 840 left in this game. Dude, Raiders going for that single single game scoring record. I'm telling you, they wouldn't it was like 49 to 7 I think late in the third. They wouldn't be doing this if they didn't think they could put up 73. Wait, 73 is the NFL record or of like history or this year is 73 with the Broncos. 
That would get the all-time record. I think the, I think the current record is Bears scored 72 back in like the 40s or something like that. Wow. Dolphins got Dolphins second. Had 70. Okay. But dude, I'd love to see the Raiders tie this. What's crazy is I'm I'm looking at the box score. So Aiden O'Connell is 20 for 34 for 248 and four touchdowns. Like that's a good game, but that's not holy crap they put up 63 good. Right. Now Jacoby Myers is 2 for 2 for 12 yards and one touchdown. So what that says to me is they've let Jacoby Myers throw twice. That's how in control of this they are. <laughs> Here's the other crazy thing. They're rushing right now. Their leading rusher is Zamir White with 14 carries and 60 yards. One touchdown not, or two. One touchdown. So like they're not putting up yards on the ground. Devontae Adams just eclipsed 100 yards for the night with that last reception and on that last play. He was at 7 for like 80 or something like that. Now he's at 8 for 101. So it's not like he's putting up some sort of Tyree Kill all-time night. What is going on? How do you make 63 points out of that box score? I think there's a lot of... I I saw a lot of turnovers happen, um, Mm. at least from the highlights. But also, I want to flex. Guess who signs Amir White five minutes before this game on all his leagues? Really? Me. Me. What happened to what happened to Josh Jacobs? Is he like out for the year? Uh no, Josh Jacobs something was happening during the week and there was some suspicion and then he was declared out right before the game. So I just like immediately Zamir whited everything. And I think he has like nine fantasy points. And I actually have Josh Jacobs in the in our fantasy playoffs, which uh we'll talk about next time. <laughs> Dude, I can't wait for Josh Jacobs to be out right up until the beginning of our game. That's going to be so much fun that he magically gets better for our game, just like everybody else right. is on the injury report. Right, and then we lose, and then Josh Jacob has like 500 yards on the ground. Just like they drew it up. Anyway, just like they drew it up, this is how Armando brew it up. Armando's nice. going to be reviewing a delicious beer for us tonight. I know nothing about it. So, Armando, why don't you tell us what you got in front of you? Today I'm going to be reviewing a favorite of mine, actually, a favorite of the podcast, um, a brewery in Idaho Springs, which is pretty close to like Breckenridge. Um, It's a little smaller mountain town, Uh, but I've reviewed a lot of uh, beers from this brewery. It's one of my favorites. So I'm going to be reviewing Westbound and Down Brewery's Rising Hope, which is a hazy IPA. Not too much um, ABV on this, 6.5%. And let's see, what is this for? Rising Hope is for the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation. So all all proceeds go to children who are battling cancer. So a really good cause. And uh, I've already had a beer of this, and it's a really good beer. Wow. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Now, Idaho Springs, is was that right down the mountain from Central City, basically? Yep. Yeah, really close to Central City. I was doing my uh, my laundry there back when I did Central City, like across the street from Tommyknockers. Wait, why did you go all the way down to you? You like could have bought new clothes instead of wasting your gas to go all the way down to Idaho Springs. I mean, it didn't feel like the, it was what fifteen minutes to do that. Like get on Idaho like, Springs. I feel like I feel like it's fifteen minutes to get down the mountain, and then another like yeah, ten minutes to get to Idaho that- Springs. That sounds about right. Dude, magical place. There was like a deli slash yoga studio there that Ooh. smelled disgusting, but the food was incredible. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Tommy Knockers is great. And Bojo's Pizza Place. Oh, yeah. Bojo. Oh, Famous so cool. for their like honey crust. Yep. Oh, man. Well, 
Armando, why don't you Do crack it. that beer open and I will tell everybody how we review beers in this podcast. Good, because I always forget. Now, we use a very consistent review on this podcast because that's the most important thing. It's it's if the foam line is an infraction or not infraction. Yeah. So right now, there is no line infraction on this beer. Yeah, Armando's currently lined up in the neutral foam. This is totally fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was great. Thank you. So we review this podcast, uh, these these beer reviews in multiple different ways. First thing we do is uh, grade things from a scale of one to ten, one being bad, ten being great, on the categories of appearance, aroma, flavor, and mouth feel. So Armando, number one, why don't you give us a rundown of the appearance of that beer? All right, appearance of this beer. Like I said, it's a hazy IPA, so it is a um, it's nice golden brown. A ton of head retention on this, which is great. Um, also, um, not translucent at all. It is very thick. Can't see anything past this cloudy um, golden brown hazy IPA. So definitely what you would want in color. Maybe a little more brown than my liking. Uh, would like just a little bit more yellow on it. So how about uh, 8.6? 8.6 on appearance. I love it. Okay, so next category is aroma. Aroma. So, Armand, you got to remind me. What, what style of beer is this again? Was this a hazy IPA? It's a hazy. Okay. This is a hazy. I do not know what the hops are. That's okay. That's okay. You'll use your nose to identify the hops. For <laughs> nice. So tell us. Tell us if they're dank like the West Coast or if they're nice floral and fruity like the Southern Hemisphere. Mm, we got a lot of floral and fruity. I'm I'm sensing some Eldorado hops. Mm-hmm. Not dank, but for some reason, I am sensing Idaho 7 hops. Oh, okay, Idaho 7's good. And for some reason, it's because I am looking at Untapped and I found the hops. Oh, really? Is Idaho 7 in there? <laughs> yeah, is Idaho 7 there. Did you sniff that out yourself? No, I did not. Oh, that was, that was, was all say. a joke. Um, I Man. think I don't know if I would have gotten Eldorado. This smells like more to me, more Citroen Galaxy, which could be in mm-hmm. it. But I think the prominent hops are Idaho Seven and Eldorado. Eldorado more so on the citrusy side, but also Eldorado known for its bite. I think. Yep, dude. Eldorado was supposed to be like the it hop, and then they changed what it was. And then, well, what's what's the Simpsons joke? I used to be with it, but then they changed what it was. And what it was wasn't cool. It was scary. It'll happen to you. <laughs> I don't know. Strata's in now. I remember when Strata was experimental, it was like zero, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Um, a couple of breweries that I've been to, they're all like, yeah, this features Strata. I actually don't like Strata. So I'm just like, well, I guess I'll have it. It's cool now. There's another really big one. It's uh, it's not Rick Wahop. It's like uh, Rick Flair Hop. Oh, I wish it was called Rick Flair Hop. We got to make that beer. Uh, no, it's like Rewaka. R- 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 that's what it is. Rewaka. Mm. Yeah. I haven't that seen one's, it. That's the new sexy hop. Oh, it's good. Is. You'd like it. You'd like it. Anyway, so next category is flavor, Armando. One to ten. How does that beer taste? You getting those fruity notes? Although, before I do that, I did not give you a number for aroma. <gasps> so how about... Uh, I, I? You know what? I like it. It just doesn't, it doesn't smell like Idaho 7 and Eldorado to me. So... Um, but I really like the the smell of it. If I didn't look, I so I'm just gonna give it as though I didn't look. So how about a nine point five? Nine point five. Okay, I love it. Uh, excuse me for jumping the gun there. So now the flavor on that beer, Armando. What does the flavor on that beer taste like? 
Flavor's good on this beer, and I I just looked at the the can, and this was um this was canned in August, really, and it still That's... tastes pretty solid. <laughs> okay, that's impressive. So, like, this does not taste like it was canned in August. I was just looking because I was curious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, canned in August, and this is this tastes very good. Because um, those those hazies, mm. those lights can fall out of them real quick, even if they're in a can. Yep, yep. If you but if you keep temperature controlled, six months should be should be all right. Also, I don't know if we say this enough on the podcast. If you have the option at a beer store. If you can get beer that's not in a cooler, get that instead. Yep. Because one thing hops and beer as as a whole hate is being cold, getting up to room temp, and being made then, cold yep. again. Yep, bingo. Yeah. So avoid cold beer when possible. Try and get stuff off the shelf. Yep. And then if you're going to keep it warm, or sorry, not warm, but if 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 it's already not fridged, then you don't have to, you know, put that beer in the fridge right away either. Keep it in, like like Reese said, it's more important to keep temperatures the same as opposed to, all right, now I got a cold crash it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, good point. Good point. Uh, yeah. Flavor on this is really good, Reese. Mm. Yeah, uh, I do. I do sense the Eldorado now. Um, but yeah, getting a lot of citrus, a lot of that, um, a lot of that orange rind, some vanilla as well. Mm-hmm. A little bit of marshmallow, which is nice as well. Yeah. Um, do we still do aftertaste? I forget. No, aftertaste got put on the cutting room floor for sake cutting of... Cutting room floor. Yeah. For sake of time. Um, but I will talk about, I do get a little bit of a piney aftertaste. That is okay. that Idaho 7, that just really bitey that you don't get on the front of the tongue, which is... Um, again, I, I like what comes in stays the same. Um, so not m- too much to my liking. Um, well, like when it comes to like all time beers, but this is a solid beer. So I'm getting a lot of flavor. And, and again, I'm surprised I'm getting a great flavor profile after having this beer since August. Mm-hmm. Uh, wonderful. 9.5 again. This is a 9.5. Good beer. Dude, what was the company you said? Rising Hope. Westbound and Down Brewery. Okay, dude. Sick. Man, it's so cool being in Colorado where every brewery is going to be good. At the perks, baby. Yeah, I got uh when I was in I was just in Brooklyn talking with, you know, just like random 40 year old dudes about the housing crisis in New York at a beer bar. Uh, but then when I told them that I was in in Colorado, they're like, oh, man. And they named like 10 different breweries in Colorado. And I was like, yeah, that's great. I'm glad you guys know all these places. So, yeah. Shout out Colorado. You're still doing good things. And so cool. Colorado's the coolest, guys. Let's all move out there and drive the housing prices even higher up. No, no, that's good because I'll be oh, good. That's for good. Your house. I already have a house. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So anyway, that's our new Patreon stretch goal: drive the housing market to inflate the cost of Armando's house. Yeah, sweet. All right. So then, category number four is going to be mouth feel. Hazy IPA. Is it big and chunky in your mouth, or is it a little bit more lighter and effervescent? What you feeling? It's a balance. It's a balance of heavy and crispy. Um, which is nice. I think the Ido Seven might give it its crispiness and a little that little dankness. I sometimes associate with crispy and bitey. Um, mm-hmm. so it's actually a nice, um, a nice juxtaposition of that and the heaviness of the mouthfeel from like the hazy. Um, so yeah, I think this is wonderful. How about a a nine point one? Really good mouthfeel. All right, 
love the juxtaposition. So some great ratings across the board. That brings us up to our fifth and secret category, Stonks Drinkability Quotient, which is essentially a freestyle on how this beer makes you feel or special qualities about this beer. So Armando, the floor is yours. Take it away. You know, West Bend on Down has been a favorite of mine for years, always making good stuff, always killing it in the game. Um, I think they even won like at, at GABF. They have those um, um, standards of like how many barrels that you produce. And then you're like the best big beer, midsize beer, micro. So they've won a couple times best micro because they don't make very many beers. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, always great. The can art is wonderful. The cause is wonderful. Giving, uh, you know, giving to cancer research uh, specifically for children. Obviously a wonderful thing. Um, and Idaho Springs great. It's it's a really uh, it's a more affordable mountain town. And Logan and I have spent a lot of time there uh, just because like we can't afford Breckenridge. We can't afford Vail. We can't afford although we've been a couple of times those places, which is fun. But Idaho Springs always been just a nice, you know, place in my heart. Like you said, we spent a lot of time in Central City as well, which is pretty close. So, yeah, great place. Great brewery. Great beer. Great cause. Nine point eight. 9.8. All right. Well, that's what I love to hear. A nice, consistent review across the board. Hot <laughs> take, Mondo. Anyway, uh, we're going to Wait, return. hold on. Hold on, Reese. That was a great r- review, but I just noticed that, that there is a line infraction on this foam. It actually oh. gets straight zeros. This is the worst beer that I've ever had. Um, do not listen to anything I just said because it was false. And I'm going to gaslight all of you. This never happened. Dude. Thank heavens Hot Take Mondo is doing an outstanding job of giving us beer reviews. And that's what it's like to be a Chiefs fan. (laughs) Oh my goodness, dude. When we return, we'll cap off a little bit more talk about the officials and also talking about the elephant in the wide receiver room. So stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back from a fun beer review by me, Westbound and Downs, Rising Hope, Hazy IPA, and I'm sure you can get it. Um, actually, I don't think it's in stock anymore, but if you see any in Colorado or maybe even at the pairing, Reese's favorite beer uh, store out in Kansas City, check it out. Okay, Reese, so we've, we've talked about the refs. Anything else you want to talk about there before we cap it off and talk about something even worse? Uh I'd be curious. Uh, what was your take on Patrick Mahomes' outburst at the end of the game on the sideline? What do you think? Look, I, there's so much that we don't know from that conversation. But even if that is what we know, and we have people like Bill Simmons, you know, calling out Pat and saying, Bill, Bill did say this on his podcast. He's like, I respect him, you know, so much less because of the interaction that he had. Excuse me, who who was your quarterback for 20 years? You're, you're telling me Tom Brady has never done any of that? Oh, man, I love Twitter. Just like immediately after that post, they showed that video of Tom Brady just yelling at the refs after a game. It was against, I don't even know, the Panthers when like Cam Newton was there and him just like berating, um, berating the refs right after the game. So people have very um, short um short minds is that what i want to say no selective short memory. memory selective memory that's what i want to say yeah uh, <laughs> short minds um so yeah there's there so again like we praise these particular stars uh that have done the exact same thing so it's funny that 
certain people have selective memory. But two, we don't know whether Pat was prompted by Josh, right? We only saw the clip of that, but we didn't see the beginning of the interaction. Pat could have, he could have said, great game, man, you, you balled out. And then Josh could have said, hey, sorry, man. And that's a really pissed Pat off. Um, so again, we didn't see the whole thing. Pat, Pat deserves one rant out of his illustrious career of being the oh. greatest of all time and also being one of the greatest role models of all time for him to get heated for one, you know, for one thing. Give me a break. Give me a break. You know, it's so funny too, because, you know, like you said, I saw the Bill Simmons one too. And it's like, oh, shocker, lifelong Bostonian feels threatened that someone's coming after Tom Brady's goat title and will do anything to discredit him. Go, yeah. go figure. He, I mean, he still, he still probably has Larry Bird in his top five players of all time. Let's be serious. I, he might uh, actually. I will say one thing about Bill Simmons about that particular thing. That is his Achilles heel. I love Bill Simmons and what he says is normally great, but he is such a Bostonian that like he put, I think Kobe Bryant, I think is 15th on his all time list. And um, and then again, all his all his banter about Patrick Mahomes. It's like it's like, dude, if you were not like a, you know, a, a true Bostonian, you would actually be one of the greatest writers of all time. Very true. It's very true. You know, it's uh, it, it's just very funny, too, because. So, like, like I said, people initially was like, oh, Pat's crying over a call. It was obviously offsides. Get over it. At the time. People were a little worried about it, thinking that he was just throwing an outburst over a call just because it didn't go in his way. But I forgot one piece to this entire saga that I unpacked in the first half of the podcast. I mean, Pat getting like absolutely shanked and then no one calling it when his helmet fell off. Well, I mean, that's one. But there were multiple CBS employees after the game oh, that tweeted right. out saying... What what is this? For what it's worth, I can confirm that T- Kadarius Tony looked to the sideline and pointed as he lined up. Which video has since come out that that's true. I cannot comment whether the officials acknowledged or signaled for him to move back. They didn't, and Carl Sheffers has come out saying they didn't give him a warning. Tracy Wolfson then retweeted that and said, "I can confirm that he can confirm this." LOL. Those tweets were then deleted within the next twenty four hours. Those employees have disappeared since Sunday. They, they got some of our FBI agents on them, okay? So, again, if we unpack this more, this was not Patrick throwing a simple hissy fit over, you know, them threat, like flagging a penalty, which, again, we've said it's offsides. If we're looking at this in the grand scheme of context, he's mad that they called it fine the entire game, but on the last chance they had to throw a flag on it, which was no different than the other ones, they threw a flag on it without issuing them any warnings. I'm just yeah, saying. It's wild. And again, the implications of that, of course, Reese talked about the national implications, but just the immediate ones for the Chiefs. And again, we already talked about this, but the spark it would have given us. It's just like, and Pat knows that. Pat Pat knows that that is a, that is a season-defining play for a particular team. And is it is the spark that Kansas City absolutely needed at that particular time. And now they got nothing. And it's made worse, even worse, that the next night in the Dolphins game, an eerily same identical lineup happens. Exact same no thing call. happens. Nope, nothing. I mean, I'd be willing to bet you if that was like Stefan Diggs that lined up off sides in that situation, he's not getting called for it, you know, but because right. it's Kadarius Tony, And I bet you, you know what? The NFL is such good guys. They're going to make it a point of emphasis to keep track and call those 
call those offsides fairly. And who's going to be getting all the offsides called on from here on out? Kadarius, Tony, and no one else. You're welcome. And Juwan Taylor. Dude, we've already talked about the Juwan Taylor stuff. <laughs> I even even I'm getting tired of bringing that up. It's like, I I, I don't have the spirit to talk hey, about how about, it how, how about Wanya Morris? Oh, Wanya oh. Morris. How about Wanya Morris, man? I, I'll tell you what, he's just, he's killing it out there. Dude, I'm so I excited. Think, I, think I, I, I think he is uh, left tackle of the rest of the year. I think you're probably right because from the limited sample size we've seen so far, there's not a glaring weakness in his game. You know, it's not like he gets beat by speed rushers every time. I think as it is right now, I think he's just a very solid all-around rookie left tackle. We knew going into the draft that he's pretty physically gifted. He's got a lot of upper body strength, and I think he's got more lower body strength than Orlando Brown Jr. had. Who, by the way, currently leads the league in quarterback pressures and hits. Congratulations, Cincinnati. Enjoy your prize. But also kudos no. to to Reese being consistent, always being an, an OBJ criticizer. I will bring that up. Reese, Thank you were you. right the entire time. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But no, I, I'm liking his game so far. I really think we have a chance to mold him into something again, reliable at the left tackle position which is really all we need. It really sucks that we lost Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz at the same time because, you know, while they weren't like Bakhtiari, Trent Williamson type guys, it's just like they were very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Steady. They were very consistent. Mitchell Schwartz in particular is probably one of the most underrated right tackles of all time. Pat would have four Super Bowls. Pat would have four Super Bowls, baby. Four Super Bowls. But while we can praise Wanya Morris all we want, I think it's time that we go back to the common denominator that's been no! going on here, which Armando. Reese, can I can I start this? Please. I, so, uh, so I'm going to finish your sentence because you didn't finish it. You said we must go back to the common denominator. Matt Nagy. Mm, with the turn, Matt Nagy. Okay, tell me why Matt Nagy. All right. <clears throat> so, Reese, the things that are happening, particular, one and two, one dropped balls, and two, are guys not even knowing where to line up? And that's been consistent from week one to now, right? They're, they're still not figuring it out, still haven't figured it out after the infamous, not infamous, but but the, the famous Andy Reid bye week. Right, things are always solved after that Andy Reid bye week, but simple things are not being solved. Why this season and not seasons before? Well, let me take you to a question that Patrick Mahomes got yesterday. They asked Patrick Mahomes, "Who is holding these wide receivers accountable this year, particularly when it comes to missed or missed routes, and particularly when it comes to drop balls?" And Patrick Mahomes said, well, it used to be EB. Hmm. Interesting. And Pat does not name anyone after that. He says, well, it used to be EB. Uh, We're all just trying to, you know, pick each other up. Reese, sometimes those statements mean a, a thousand words. And we, I've talked about Matt Nagy for the past three weeks and not with affirmity, not with anything with conviction. It's been a question mark. And Reese, I know you've had these question marks too um, because you're like, well, you know, 
Matt Nagy had a great offensive or had a great offense with Mitchell Trubisky and had a great offense when he was with with the Kansas City Chiefs. But Reese, although he may be a good offensive play caller, he may not be the good bad cop that we need. Is Patrick Mahomes a good bad cop? No. And sorry, I'm saying good and bad. So let me just say, is Patrick Mahomes a bad cop? No. Is Andy Reid a bad cop? No. Is Matt Nagy a bad cop? No. This Kansas City offense needs a bad cop, and they've had it in the past with EB. Reese, we don't have that. And although Patrick Mahomes is an incredible leader, he's not a bad cop. Travis Kelsey may be a bad cop, but we need a definitive bad cop. And who was that bad cop for years that made Tyreek Hill upset, that made Patrick Mahomes upset? That was EB. And again, I'm... uh, I have talked about maybe it is the play calling of Matt Nagy, but it's actually becoming more apparent that it might be the leadership of Matt Nagy and the need for a bad cop because it's not going to be their 31-year-old wide receiver coach as well. So, Reese, I think we have a Matt Nagy problem. Well, you know, I think it's interesting that you brought up that clip about Pat saying it used to be EB being the bad cop because I hadn't seen that, and I do think there are some legs to it. Now, you did finish your spiel on mentioning Connor Embry, which I want to say, I don't think it's a Matt Nagy problem. I do think we miss having the bad cop EB. I'm not going to pretend like that's not, you know, his bad copness was not a benefit. But when I'm watching these wide receivers, which is the only part of our offense that's really misfiring this year. I sent you that clip earlier today where there was the pre-snap commotion. Nobody knew right. where to line up. Right. Who tells the wide receivers how to line up? Isn't it the wide receiver coach? We've seen clips of our wide receivers breaking and running their routes improperly, be it to the safety or not cutting off clean enough or going too shallow. And who should be telling the wide receivers how to break out of their routes? The wide receiver coach. Right. Who should be the one in charge of helping the wide receivers focus in on catching balls that hit them in their hands? The wide receiver coach. Julian Edelman. So, so I think both things can be true without being mutually exclusive. Sure. I think that we miss Eric Bieniemy being the bad cop because I think he wouldn't. If Eric Bieniemy were here right now with the way I think Connor Embry is doing as a coach, I think you'd be seeing bad cop going off in the locker room at Connor Embry. Yeah, or personally. in public. Yeah. <laughs> because... I mean, it's gotten to the point now that, you know, looking back, Eric Bieniemy was with the Chiefs as the running back coach during the first Matt Nagy era at offensive coordinator. That much is true, and it's obvious that during that time we pointed out, even then the offense wasn't this disjointed. Andy Reid has never had an offense look this undisciplined or disjointed, particularly at wide receiver in the passing game, until this year. I think we have somebody who seriously... I've said it before, has never played wide receiver, doesn't know anything about what a professional level wide receiver needs to do, and we're seeing that this year. Paired with the fact that these guys already are probably, I would say, below league average talent-wise across the board in a lot of places, not counting Rashi Rice. At least. Dude, that's a tall order for anyone, let alone somebody with no experience being asked to do this specialty position. 
Yeah, and it, and kind of going off of your point, if you look at even the recent comments of MVS talking to that reporter and saying, "I don't know what problems you're talking about. I don't I don't know what you're saying." If he's talking back to a reporter like that, what makes you think that someone his junior, who is his coach, but most likely younger than him, he's going to listen to him, right? If he's saying anything, so it's it's a plethora of problems. I'm still not going to um, dissolve. Uh, Matt Nagy of any any blame, but you're right. Maybe he's not the the like the chief, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> the <laughs> the the chief perpetrator, right? Um, but yeah, I think it goes something. You know, someone's got to step up when it comes to bad cop. But when I look at this team, I don't know who is a bad cop, right? I mean, maybe maybe Travis, maybe, but um, that's not with Definity, where we knew EB was a bad cop, right? That's why he wasn't getting interviews because of how he handles teams and chemistry and everything. So, um, so again, we know that there's a wide receiver problem, but Reese, I think we need to put some more onus on the staff and why they're not figuring out how to be the bad cop. Well, I'll tell you what's interesting is that with a locker room review with Justin Watson today, I don't know if you've seen this clip. Uh, but in the last part, he talks directly about how the wide receivers are now listening directly to Pat. In the receiver room, they're there Whoa. with Pat. And he emphasized how we need to get in sync with what Pat wants us to do on these routes, what wow. he expects from us on these routes. So again... And he's saying that's new as of this week? I think this is as of like yesterday. Ooh. Let me see when this tweet came out. Uh, I mean, that's tweet- that's big for those of you that you know don't know the ins and outs. Quarterbacks don't ever go to the wide receiver room for their meetings, particularly those meetings are on Mondays or Tuesdays. Um, if he's doing that now, that's huge. This is uh this came out just before one p.m. today, and uh, I mean I can play this clip on the podcast. I can like work this in later if we want. Maybe not. Maybe uh, anyway. it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. Not have to, but anyway, he says everyone in the receiver room has been in a little bit earlier this week. We're watching more film, and then he goes to talk about how they're trying to get more in sync with how Pat wants these, wants these routes run. That tells me that Andy Reid doesn't feel that they are sufficiently learning or being told what to do from either Matt Nagy or Connor Embry. Yeah. I think it's interesting. <sighs> yeah, it's, this is, you know, it's so unfortunate because. Again, if you look back at these games recent, this is what makes me the most frustrated. Clearly, this is the worst offense that we've ever seen, but we're not losing by 14, 17, 20 points. We're losing by three points. You know, I forgot how much we lost by the Eagles, but it was a fraction, right? It was only three within three points of of beating the Eagles, the Super Bowl favorites. And this is the worst offense we've ever seen, Reese. That that should give us optimism. And that's what I've been talking about is like, we just need to correct, you know, one or two things. Um, and we're going to win because we've already seen it with the Bills. We've seen it with the Eagles. We've seen it with the best competition that has that's come our way. So it's so frustrating because we're so close. But because we're so close, we're so far. And that's why... I liked Patrick's explosion on the sidelines. Number one. Yeah. Spark them, baby. Spark them. Number two. I'm glad somebody finally got in the official's face because the league needs to have accountability for these officials. I'm dead serious. I'm curious how much Andy Reid gets fined. I know Andy and Pat were in um, review for that. If 
No, I'd be curious on that too. I think uh, the league might find them both, but I would be very happy if they did. But like we were talking about, I think Patrick's explosion might finally be the thing that gets the team to shift and to focus more on path and how he wants these routes run. And to be like, you know what, guys, this isn't good enough. We need to be locked in on every player. Pat's going to have a shipped off to China. You know, whatever that joke is, the Chinese football. You know what I'm talking about? The the, the Guangdong Tigers for the NBA. There there you go. Yeah. So I I think he's on alert. I think everybody in there knows that unless your name is Rashi Rice, like I can get you off this team so fast in the offseason, you know? So well, and actually, playing for the jobs. like 610 Radio has already done this experiment. I, we had talked about it already, too. I was like, how much dead cap would we actually have if we dropped everyone except for Rasheed Rice and Travis Kelsey? And it was like mm-hmm. it was super minimal. I think maybe only MVS would have costed us like four mil. Everybody else less than four. And it would have everyone if we drop everyone. So it's a legitimate possibility, like not only for Pat to do that, but Brett Feach to give him the green light. I mean, I think it's very possible in the offseason you see him make a move for Calvin Ridley, who I think will be affordable and might want to come play for us, potentially. Is he a free agent at that point, or are you saying trade? I, well, didn't they just sign a one-year deal with Jacksonville? Did he just do one? Yeah. Yeah, I and honestly, because Cal, like you said, Cal has been good this year, but not Pro Bowl good. So we mm-hmm. could get a pretty decent deal on him. I can see him trading up slightly in the first round to get to like a low to mid 20s spot to get an actual first round talent wide receiver this This, year this is a particularly stacked wide receiver um, draft as well but also with quarterback so people might fall right because everyone's gonna you know there might be six quarterbacks off the board we could get a pretty you know close to elite wide receiver yeah i think it's it's very possible because like Honest to goodness, how different does this room look next year with a second year Rashi Rice with someone like Emeka Ibuka from Ohio State and Calvin Ridley? You know, like those Super three Bowl suddenly champs. you have you suddenly have three solid wide receivers, and dudes like Justin Watson can just be a wide receiver for, you know, which is like a breaking case of emergency on a play or type Justin of wide receiver. Ross. Or dude, Ross is coming back, He's coming baby. Back. Better, Uh-oh. better get ready. A, a Rolling Stone gathers no Ross, baby. It's time to gather those <laughs> touchdowns. Well, and what's what's great is that Ross, they can implement Ross at a pretty convenient clip because all the teams that they're playing have nothing to play for anymore. You know, they they all have these like, you know these backup quarterbacks are all starting these next games. So this might be a good time to say, Hey, Justin, we got nothing. We have nothing going on with this team. We need you to be wide receiver too. We're going to give you, you know, 20 targets a game for the next four weeks. Speaking of consistency, last thing I'll just say, can anyone tell me why Justin Ross got six games for breaking some of his own stuff in a domestic dispute? But like the cops literally had to go on a search for Von Miller and he's playing and he four played. days later and also jumped off sides twice on the next few plays of that drive. But, you know, whatever. I'm just I'm just saying make it make sense. Make it make sense. Yeah, man. I'm excited to see some Justin Ross um, again. These are going to be I we definitely have this strong. We already had the strongest schedule with Justin Herbert starting 
with the Chargers, but now it's Easton Stick. It's going to be a very easy four weeks, Reese, so I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with this offense because this is the time to at least fake it, to pretend like we have something going on. Do you think we still win the AFC West? Ah! Reese, I don't want to jinx us, but there's no one that we should be losing to on the remaining part of the schedule. So, yes, we win the AFC West. I think this really comes down to if Detroit, who's in a bit of a free fall right now, can get it together, right the ship, and beat Denver. If Detroit can beat Denver, I think I like our chances. I'm still worried about that Cincinnati game because, as we've seen, they have not missed a beat since Joe Burrow's gone out. If we Thanks lose to Jake Browning, race, Dude. Jake Browning is doing all he needs to do. He's got that fantastic wide receiver room and Joe Mixon to play with, dude. We've said it before. Weapons are incredibly important, as is evidence with what Pat's working with right Reese, now. Reese, if we lose, you, you say all the right things. There's no argument. If we lose to a Jake Browning, do you know what the city of Kansas City would do to the Chiefs? I think it might be... In addition, by subtraction, because, well, no, the, the media is not this smart. But it's like if the Bengals would continue kind of their streak on the Chiefs without Don't Joe say Burrow, what you're it's kind of like, say. I'm just saying, then it's kind of like you've removed Joe Burrow from the equation. It's just the Bengals stacked roster. Reese, dude. Reese literally just said that Browning won Burrow, too. I mean, wow. I, I, my mind is officially blown. Hey. It's okay. You know, my eyes are open wide. And by the way, I made it through the day. There we go. We have Reese spitting facts over there and spitting some rhymes. Thanks for joining us on this podcast. It wasn't particularly fun for us, but it's always Reese. It's always the pot or it's always the games that we lose horribly that we can talk for like seven hours. And then when it's a game we win, we're just like, we have, we don't know what to say for seven minutes. Um, and that's where we were I had today. fun. <laughs> you had fun. <laughs> I had fun. Yeah. This is a blast. This you, is way better than I thought it was going to be. Reese, you, you, had, you did have an epic monologue in the beginning. That was great. So make sure you, everyone rewind, re-listen to that. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I, yeah, I'm, not, I'm, I'm hopeful for the end of, end of this regular season. So uh, looking forward to talking next week. It's going to be great. But for now, go Chiefs! We'd like to thank you for joining us today on Fountain City Sports Media. This podcast is brought to you by listener support, so consider becoming a friend of the podcast. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash FCSM to gain access to premium content including outtakes, bonus episodes, and exclusive beer reviews. Check out our website at FountainCitySportsMedia.com for more info on the podcast, social media, and of course, the goings-on in the beer industry. Special thanks to bands Carswell and Hope and Like a Tiger for providing our intro and outro themes. And as always, I'm Reese, and alongside my good friend Armando, we thank you for tuning in to Fountain City Sports Media. <laughs>